Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. So as we said last week, um, starting a brand new series today called Make Room, and, and this, this song that you just heard a, a sample of in the video is, it's been this anthem around revolution for a couple years. It was written by some friends of ours in the Chicago area, and uh, we're going to be singing it later today and just kind of uh, making room for God in, in the midst of this song. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to be starting this three-week series. It's going to be three weeks together where we're going to talk about three different practices that we can incorporate in our lives, spiritual practices, to make more room for God. And, and it's many other things can happen through these spiritual practices, I, I believe, as we'll see today. And so brand new series, we're going to dive right into it. And the first thing I want to say, as we're starting a brand new series today, it is a perfect week to share this live stream. So if you're in the room, I give you permission to get your smartphone out and to hit that share button on whatever social media platform you're on, because Nate, our worship and digital ministries pastor, has said multiple times, if you share it, it gets it in front of 100 to 200 more people that might just click on it and who knows what God could do. So brand new series, it's a great time. If you're watching online, you've joined the online parties, as we call this. Uh, Just all you got to do is, it's really simple because you're already watching it on a social media platform. You just hit share. There you go. You just did it. Hopefully you just did that. So, um, but we're going to dive right in, okay? So feel free. Hit that share button. Take a few seconds to do that. Uh, so for the past five years, I, I've been able to go to this amazing church planting conference in Orlando, Florida. I know, really, really just, it's, it's tough. But uh, been able to go for five years to this conference. It's the largest gathering of church planters in the world. That's what they say. Uh, about 7,000 church planters get together um, uh, at this church in Orlando. And it's just an incredible three days together. And just God, it, it's amazing. I love it because it's, it's just mission-minded Jesus followers coming together, putting aside all like denominational differences, doctrinal differences, worship style differences. And we are there about the mission of Jesus and how can we move the mission of Jesus forward. It, it's just this incredible time. So um, in, in a little bit more about this conference I get to go to, and it was in early March this year, right before the world changed, we went to this conference. So, um, But uh, something else about it, they have main sessions. It's so where everybody's together in like the auditorium that you just seen on the screen, about 7,000 people all together, and then they have breakout sessions. And there's hundreds of options in the breakouts if you've ever been to a conference like this and, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 people in classroom type settings. And, and I'm a really practical guy. So most of the time when I go into a, like a breakout, um, I'm, I'm thinking about what's something practical I can learn, like how to improve your preaching gift or, you know, 
creative discipleship methods, uh, becoming a multi-site church, you know, like things that we're working towards or that, you know, God's already moving and working in our church, like practical stuff. But this year, another breakout title caught my eye, and it was this. This is the breakout I went to, Catalyzing Revival Through Prayer and Fasting. Again, this is not a breakout title that would generally catch my attention, but, but this past March it did, and I don't know if it was uh, the, the beautiful Orlando sunshine or if it was conviction over the expensive seafood I'd had the night before, and maybe I needed to go fast, you know, go to this fasting breakout, but for whatever reason, like, Holy Spirit, I believe, led me to this breakout, and the breakout was led by Pastor Dave Clayton. He's the pastor of Ethos Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And he was joined in the breakout by some friends from Kenya, Marithi and Carol Wanja. And Clayton just began to tell a story of taking a trip to Kenya with his wife, Sydney, and connecting with Marithi and Carol, and just seeing how God was moving in their city, and how there was a level of trust and faith in the people that he'd never seen in his life. So like any good pastor, he wanted to know, what's the secret sauce of this work of God that's happening in Kenya? So one day as Clayton and his wife Sydney are riding in the car with Carol, they just start bringing up that, like, that question, like what is going on? Like we've never seen such a spiritual vibrancy in all of our lives. Like what's happening? Like the, the level of faith in, in the people of, of your church and the network of churches that's forming in Kenya, it's, I, we've never seen anything like this. What is going on? And Carol was quick to remind them there's no silver bullets when it comes to spiritual vibrancy. But she went on to share an important spiritual rhythm that has transformed their churches and community and even their own lives and family. And Dave Clayton, the the pastor that's sharing this, he said, I'll never forget what she said. Here's what she said. Much of what you see here is the simple result of prayer and fasting. Much of what you see here is the simple result of prayer and fasting. And fasting. And actually, Dave and Sydney found out later that day that they were coming into Kenya at the end of a 30 day fast that the, that the Kenyan people enter into every single January 30 days of prayer and fasting. And that throughout the year, they commit themselves to 90 full days throughout the year of prayer and fasting. Every person within the church and the network of churches, young, old, rich, poor, kids, adults, everyone that is able to, they fast and pray for a total of 90 days throughout the year. So I go to this breakout, I hear this story, and then we get back into the main session where 7,000 of us are gathered together again, church planners gathered together, and and Dave Ferguson is like the the lead visionary of the conference and and actually the lead visionary of New Thing, this network of churches I've talked about that we are connected in, and he begins to tell a story about going to England of all places. And he talked about having a conversation with the Bishop of Islington. Doesn't that sound fancy? I, I need a title like that. The bishop, I'm kidding, I don't need it. But um, so he, he has this conversation. He's like, how are things going here in England how, with the churches and stuff? And, and by the way, this, like, the Bishop of Islington is pretty much in charge of all church planting for the Church of England. And he goes, Dave, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's going amazing. And, and Dave Ferguson's like, like, he knows, it's like England has seen decade after decade after decade of decline in the church. Like, he's like, how can it possibly be going amazing? And the bishop goes, I'm serious, there's been a shift. There's been a change. People, like young people are coming back to church. We, we are now starting new churches in half of the diocese across the Church of England. 
And Dave Ferguson is a strategy guy too. So he's like, well, what are you doing? Like, how is this happening? And the bishop said this, we just started praying and fasting. And something changed. And friends, I know, I know God is speaking something here through this. And I believe, again, God's timing is at work. Just like I shared uh, as I talked about God as our Father several weeks ago and God's sovereignty with me getting those letters, and I kind of talked about that. I believe it's the same with this. Because I went to this conference right before the world shifted. So all of these, this story and stuff I learned, it went to the back of my mind. It's just kind of there, you know, because everything shifted. We had to make all these changes. And then as I was walking through this, this fasting talk this week, all this came, came flooding back. And then I started walking through Scripture, and I started to notice a theme within Scripture. And almost every story and situation in the Bible where you see a godly man or a godly woman in need of a breakthrough in some big way, in need of spiritual renewal, like widespread spiritual renewal, in need of God to show up and do something that only He can do, the process of moving toward that breakthrough, it, it usually starts with someone or a group of someone's seeking God through prayer and fasting. And let me just give some examples of this, okay? Let's just start with this guy named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was in exile in the Persian Empire. He was the cupbearer for the king. And he, he received some horrible news about his homeland. And here's what it says. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. That's bad news, right? I mean, he receives this horrible news. Like, things are not getting better. They're getting worse. And so here was Nehemiah's response. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, let's just say this together, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. The first thing he does when he learns about this issue is fast and pray. And God shows up in this huge way and and fortifies the nation and and brings spiritual renewal. And it it takes some time. And it takes more steps after this. But it starts, the process of breakthrough starts with fasting and prayer. Uh, Here's another example. Jehoshaphat, one of the kings of Judah in the Old Testament of the Bible. And that has to be the worst name ever, right? Jehoshaphat, you know he's getting some weird nicknames in in middle school, right? Jehoshaphat. But anyway, let's leave that there. There's this story where there's three enemy nations coming to attack him and attack the people of God. And here's how the story is described. So some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, in Gedi. So, alarmed Jehoshaphat. And we're going to see he does something in a second, but he's alarmed. And I was thinking about this story. I'm like, you know what? There's been some moments this year where I've been alarmed. I connect with this guy right here. There, I, I would be willing to, to make the statement, there's not a single person in this room or watching online that hasn't at least had a moment this year, 2020, where you have not been alarmed. Disney World closed this year, friends. Come on. I mean, the Sahara dust cloud, uh, what a, b- murder hornets or whatever those things were. Like this, this has been a year of this, right? Alarm. So here's what Jehoshaphat does as he gets alarmed. He resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Breakthrough started 
with fasting and prayer. And there's many other things, like I said, that happen in this story, but it started with fasting and prayer. Let's look at Daniel, the lion's den guy, if you've heard that story. The, the ultimate Dan the man, okay? Here's, here's what it says. He receives this news. It says this, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. And a lot of these stories intersect and connect. We just don't have time to, to dive into that today. But Daniel heard some terrible news. Or as Charles Barkley would say, terrible news. It was terrible. I mean, just this is horrible news. How many of you have heard some terrible news this year? Raise your hand if you've heard some terrible news. Hit that thumbs up button. How many of you, respond to this, have limited your exposure to the terrible news? Because it's just terrible. It just seems, come on, raise your hand if that's you. Yes, thank you. That's a good step. It's a really good step to take right now. And see, we, we hear this terrible news, and what's been our response? Talking, posting, protesting, maybe praying, maybe. Here's Daniel's response. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. And friends, this convicted me big time this week. Because I've chosen not to engage with the madness on social media. I just don't think social media is the right platform for that. But, and I've, I've had some talks with God about what's happening in the world, and I've, I've walked around our neighborhood, and even had some prayer walks, and I've had individual conversations with people about issues in our world, because I believe that's a little bit better method for this, is there's relationship, you can have those tough conversations. So I've done some things, but I have not pleaded on my face before God and said, God, we got to have you show up. We need you. Like, I'm a broken leader, and if I don't have you show up, I don't have it right now, God. That's where I'm at right now, God. And I did that this week. That's what Daniel does. His, his response is pleading with God. I, I think it's about time Christ followers started looking more like Daniel right now. Instead of posting, we start pleading and petitioning and praying for God to do something. Let me show you one more story in case you're not convinced. Ezra. The people of God are moving back to their homeland, and on the way back, one of the first things Ezra does as the leader is this. Then I proclaimed a fast, right? There at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God. Let's go to the next verse. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. And I think that last underlined word there is so important. He didn't answer my prayer, like the leader Ezra's prayer. He says our prayer. There was a community of people that were committed to praying and fasting. And God showed up. There, there's something about this, friends. There's something about that, that can shift reality, that can shift the world, that can shift perspective, that can shift what's happening in the world, like through prayer and fasting in a community. This was a group of people there's power in seeking God together. So I went through all this. I remember these stories from the conference. I went through all this kind of scripture in the Old Testament, seeing these stories. And here's the question it brought me to. But how does this work? Like, how, how does this happen? When we need a breakthrough, when we need God to show up in a big way, like there's, there's something that can happen if we begin that process through prayer and fasting. But how does this work? Well, I, I did some study on fasting this week, and a simple explanation that I discovered is this. Fasting forges humility. And I'm, I'm going to take my time through these next few minutes, because I, I just don't want us to miss this, okay? 
So if, if, you're, if you're starting to fall asleep because the, the air is circulating and you hear that noise, just pinch yourself real quick because this is a really important part right here. If you're online, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but pinch yourself anyway. That's a great next step. So just, fasting forges humility. As we empty ourselves of physical nutrients, which eventually leads to less physical strength and even lowered mental capabilities at a certain point, it creates dependence outside of ourselves. Fasting forces dependence outside of ourselves. And here's the other side of it. Fasting is the ultimate giving up what I want scenario. Fasting kills pride because pride is fueled by getting more of what I want. Humility is developed by denying myself. And that's what fasting is. It's a denial of what I want. It's a discipline that denies myself what I want. When you fast, you generally give up the one thing most people say they can't go without, food. Can I get an amen from that, right? We give up that one thing that most of us say we can't even go without. See, this is why our culture is so full of pride. Because we can get what we want, how we want it, whenever we want it right now. That's just, I mean, if we're hungry, we can go right into the convenience store and grab a Snickers bar. Boom. Solve, problem solved. They're, they're going to drive through immediately. If there's a product that you want, you can drive right over to the store and get it any, like anytime you want. You don't even have to have the money for it. Just get that credit card out, charge it. You don't even have to go to the store, right? Just pull out the smartphone, go to the Amazon app, and in one to two days, you will have that thing that you want. Like you, your mind can trigger, like I want something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that thing. Boop. And there it is. We have to be uber intentional to deny ourselves what we want. See, that's what fasting is. And see, let's take it a, a little bit deeper. You still with me? The single biggest barrier to getting an answer to prayer and seeing breakthrough happen in my life or your life is pride. The single biggest barrier to seeing revival and spiritual renewal come to a nation is pride. The single biggest barrier to God doing something miraculous in a situation is pride. And James, the brother of Jesus, he said some very interesting things about this. In this first statement, he was quoting from the Old Testament. He said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. You want God's favor on your life, then get out of the way. Make yourself lower. Tear your pride down. See, pride is the sin of all sins. Pride is the ultimate sin. It's the original sin. It's the sin that brought sin into the world. Read Genesis chapter 3. That's what the story is. It is a story of thinking we know better. Pride is what holds us back from receiving more of God and more from God because it, it deceives us into believing we've got it or we're in control or we can handle it or we know better. Pride is the chief issue of a nation far from him, a leader far from him, and a people far from him. Humility makes room for God. Humility is this daily status report of God, I need you today. God, I need you today. God, I need you today. And, and man, pride is a battle I have, I have just faced over the years. And I've shared this before from the stage. I wish I could say I finally conquered this battle with pride, but I am far from it. I don't think we ever conquer it until we've you know, entered that next promised life that Nick was singing about earlier. But pride is this constant battle I faced over the years, this, this, this battle I faced with my own mind of you know, thinking I've got this, or I can handle this, or I know what's best, or I'm in control. And then that last statement has been totally debunked this year, hasn't it? 
I'm in control? Yeah, right. Like we have realized this year how very little control we actually have. So much of life is just totally out of our control. And I've, just, I've shared with several people, one of the hardest things about leading a church right now is I just feel totally out of control and not sure about most of the decisions I need to make. Regathering decisions, mask decisions, and I could go on and on with a list of decisions. I'm, most of the time I have confidence in my decisions as a leader, I'm 50-50 on about everything right now. And, and one of the good things God is doing me in this season, doing in me in this season, at least I think he's doing this because it feels awful, is killing my pride. And something I've been doing, and I, I just share this to encourage you to take some next steps with this in your life, is on Thursday or Friday, whenever I go over my talk now, I'm coming up to this stage and I'm bowing down right here on this stage and I'm just saying, God, I don't have it right now. I don't have it this week. You gotta show up because I, I just can't do it right now. This whole COVID thing, it's brought me as a leader to my knees. And I'm, I'm thankful for this work that God is doing in me because, again, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And then a few verses later, James expounds a little bit more. He says this. Let's say this word, these words together. Humble yourselves. Let's say it one more time. Everybody online too. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Now this is so important. Notice it says, humble yourselves. It is a choice we make to humble ourselves. Like God can humiliate you, but only you can make yourself humble. God can humiliate you, but only you can make yourself humble. God can allow something humiliating to happen in your life, but only you can choose the humble response. Because we've all seen all kinds of people that have been humiliated and proven wrong and messed something up royally and they just deflect it or blame others and become even more proud. We have to choose humility to humble ourselves. See, the way up is down. John Wesley used to say this, he that is low can't fall. When you're face down on the floor, you're safe. And fasting is a practice that we can choose to do that helps facilitate that work in us. Make sense? Fasting forges humility. And pride is that thing. It is that thing that will block us from a breakthrough every single time. You see, Jesus was the ultimate example of humility. The ultimate example. I, I read a book several years ago called Humilitus, and it talked about all these different things that Jesus modeled. I mean, it's the perfect model of humility, and it, it even contrasted Jesus and Satan. said Satan was a created being, but he reached for equality with God, so he fell. Jesus had equality with God, but he lowered himself to come to this planet and die a criminal's death on a cross, and God exalted him. The kingdom of God, it, it, it's flipped upside down, friends. And guess what Jesus did to start his ministry? Guess what he did? Here it is. Matthew. Chapter 4. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. And you've got to love Matthew. And he became very hungry. That happens. That tends to happen, right? For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus denied what he wanted. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus had to completely rely on his father for strength and help and probably sanity even. See, this is the way of Jesus. And this is where revival starts. And this is where spiritual renewal begins. And this is how breakthrough happens. And this is what I believe can start a turnaround in our world. 
And there's one more very interesting thing that Jesus says about fasting. He says all kinds of different things about it. This might be the most interesting. There's this story where a a demon-possessed boy is brought to Jesus. And he's actually brought to the disciples first, and they pray over him, and nothing happens. So they bring this boy to Jesus, and he sets him free of this possession. And later on, a few verses later, Jesus makes this statement. This is so key. I believe this is so powerful. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There's something about this practice. This is saying that there are some things in life that we go through, and breakthrough only comes when we're willing to pray and fast. And friends, I believe this is one of those times. I think we're in a season where what we're facing doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. I think our country is in a place where the only answer is prayer and fasting. The hope for our country is not in politics, by the way. The hope for America is not in what happens on November 3rd. I believe the hope for our country is my people called by my name will humble themselves in fasting and prayer. Let me individualize this too. Maybe you're here and you're facing a situation and it's tough and it's been around for a long time and you, you need a breakthrough. You need an emotional breakthrough. You need a spiritual breakthrough. You need a relationship breakthrough, a marriage breakthrough, a financial breakthrough. Maybe this is where you got to start, right here. Maybe this is a misstep. Some things only go out except by prayer and fasting. So we're going to make some room right now for God to work. We just believe God works in moments and he can shift our heart, shift our mind in a moment. And I'm going to confess something to you. I'm supposed to come back out in about eight, ten minutes and share something challenging as a, like a commission for our church. I have no idea what I'm going to say. This might be the first time in revolution history. I have no idea the challenge I'm going to give revolution in relation to this talk. Like these stories that happened in March, all the way through looking through the Old Testament and all that God's doing in me. I don't yet know what God has for revolution in relation to what I just shared. And I'm believing in the next few minutes, he's going to speak that. In faith, I'm believing that. So I ask that you would pray for me and pray for our church that that we would just get those next right steps in relation to this. But we're going to make room right now. And uh, I just ask that you'd stay seated. We're going to take communion in a few moments. If you're watching online, if you got some juice or wine and bread, you might go grab that. Or if you're watching later, you know, on demand, just pause it and get that ready so you can join with us. But you have these individual packets at your seats. And we're going to take communion in a few moments. But I just want to pray. That, that God would just, just move and, and really work in this time. God, right now, I believe this is truth, what has been shared. I believe that you have given us this practice of fasting, this, fast, this practice of prayer that we're going to look at next week as, as tools to facilitate a humbling work in us and a reviving work in the world. So God, just, just speak right now as we make room for you. That's what this series is about. We want to make room for you to work, to do your thing in us, in us as a church, in us as individuals. So just, Spirit of God, come, move like only you can. In Jesus' name.